0: Now we're back in the comfort of the PAXA studios in downtown Honolulu after spending yesterday around some really good people and 94 different taps along a wall. Uh, How you concentrate on doing a three-hour show when you've got 94 taps along a wall, fries and tater tots in front of you, lots of good food, lots of good people. I don't know how you do it. Uh, we attempted, <laughs> that's, that's the best way I can put it. Right. Keegan, we attempted to concentrate on a three hour show yesterday. Uh, I, I think we did as best as we could, uh, but we're back here in studio. Josh Pacheco in for the guys. It is the sports animals here on ESPN Honolulu here at 92.7 FM and uh, 1420 AM. All of our guests, when they appear, they do so courtesy of our hotline. A lot of things to do today, and uh, a lot of guests that are going to stop by the program. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, you've heard television talked about quite a bit in college football. Uh, ESPN looks like it's going to be out of the Big Ten. We talked about this the other day, because I do believe that there will be a ripple effect to what happens there, how it affects the Pac-12, and how it does affect the Pac-12, I believe, could have an impact on... Mountain West membership, uh, I know it, it sounds like it's kind of a stretch, but um, I really do believe that there is a tie there, and uh, we'll talk about that coming up a little bit later on. In fact, just after the bottom of the hour, uh, one of our guests is going to be someone who is a, a former television executive, uh, Bob Thompson, with Thompson Sports Group, LLC, uh, retired former president of Fox Sports. He knows a lot about these deals uh, with uh, a lot of different uh, leagues and, you know, both professionally and collegiately. So uh, Bob Thompson, uh, Thompson, just after the bottom of the hour, Uh, you've heard about what happened yesterday. Uh, The live tour did not fare well in court. Uh, The live tour also really needed to, you know, all that money that they put into the uh, advances for its golfers. They needed to put some of that money into their lawyers. Uh, we'll talk with Rick Gaiman from the First Cut podcast from uh next hour. And then Savannah Ryer will be with us. If that name sounds familiar, just a couple of years ago, she was playing on the uh, University of Hawaii Rainbow Wahine basketball team. Savannah's back after a, a year away on another team's staff. She's the director of player development for the Rainbow Wahine basketball squad. And they've got something that uh, we'll talk about coming up a little bit later on. And, I mean, we'll catch up with her a little bit. Um, You know, her journey from playing to coaching has come really, really fast. So uh, we'll, we'll talk with her about how that's been and uh, coming back to Hawaii after leaving for a year. That a little bit later on in the show. You can text us at 808-296-1420. You can call us at 808-296-1420. Our Twitter, uh, as clean, as always, uh, at Sports Animals, and it is at Josh on the radio. But uh, we start with... Uh, we, we start with uh, what's going on with Deshaun Watson. And the Cleveland Browns announcing today that Deshaun Watson is going to start on Friday, which could be a little bit awkward. That is the first preseason game the, uh, the Cleveland Browns will have. Now, this is all in the backdrop of the NFL's investigation right now. Uh, which, well, it's not an investigation. The investigation has led to a ruling on a suspension. That ruling on the suspension is being appealed. The NFL wants an indefinite suspension. But uh, uh, at the same time, they have handed it off to another independent individual to kind of figure out what's what's potentially going to happen. So the next couple of days could get pretty awkward. The Browns are really going to put Deshaun Watson out there, and and I'll focus in on that in just a second, on how I think that is honestly kind of awkward. And then, uh, on the other hand, how does this accelerate what the league wants to do, which may be part of the plan? Uh, First, Diana Rossini, ESPN NFL insider, who was on uh, this just in on ESPN television uh, earlier today with the latest on that. No matter what happens, today, tomorrow, next week, Deshaun Watson is going to be suspended the first six games of the season. Nothing is changing in that category. What could potentially change, though, is an additional games to those six. And that's what the NFL is appealing right now. The NFLPA did not appeal the six games, so they technically can't appeal anything else. So now what's going to happen is we're going to wait to find out what the final number will be but no matter what happens here six games watson is out although he is available based on this right now just based on these six games he is available to play in the preseason game on friday and that'll be up to the cleveland browns and the cleveland browns are uh basically committing to that preseason game now this is where technicalities come into play uh The technicality here is the NFL wants an indefinite suspension. They don't want a particular number of games. The reason why they want the indefinite suspension is because the indefinite suspension includes all team activities. That is preseason. That is training camp. That is everything. Uh, You just say it's 12 games. Right now it's six. Uh, Then you can... Do everything as as Deshaun Watson is right now. He is in training camp. You can um, you, know, you can show up in the preseason and play. And look, most teams won't start their starting quarterbacks here in week one of the preseason because they really don't need to. We saw it uh, just a few weeks not a few weeks ago, it was last week in the uh, uh, the the Pro Football Hall of Fame game. I mean, we didn't see starting quarterbacks in that game. This is. Um, this is the potential to get awkward, and this is where the NFL really wants to avoid the you know, just even the sight of Deshaun Watson playing. That's why there's a lot of strategic things that are happening. For example, um you know Roger Goodell goes out yesterday and he's talking publicly about what the NFL wants. The NFL wants the indefinite suspension. They don't want uh 12 games, they don't want to keep it at six. They want it indefinite. They want it to be to a point where Deshaun Watson truly has nothing to do with the league. He is cast aside, and he has to prove his way back in because some of the words that Roger Goodell used uh, were very pointed words uh, when talking about Deshaun Watson. He used the word um, predatory, and that is not a word that you throw around just randomly you don't call someone or their behavior predatory that is um, the the mere just thought of hearing that word or seeing that word gives you the indication that it is criminal now granted uh deshaun watson's case did not move forward criminally uh we're talking about civil cases only right now because they did not decide to charge deshaun watson criminally um, so you know, Roger Goodell doing that yesterday, uh, saying that they've seen the evidence, egregious predatory behavior. What he's doing is putting a lot of pressure. The pressure is they don't want to see him play at all, and yeah, the NFL's controlling it, yes, the NFL. Um, is going to give an independent individual, the former uh, Attorney General, I think, of, uh, of New Jersey, the opportunity to rule on this. And it is supposed to be expedited. We'll see how quickly it happens. But what they're making sure to do is by putting that kind of language out there, they want this done sooner rather than later. If Deshaun Watson is on the field on Friday, it is a bad look, regardless of whether the NFL, you know, regardless of the NFL's actions, regardless of anything the NFL PA says, if he hits the field, if he is on the bench, on the sideline, if he is anywhere near that stadium on Friday, the NFL looks really bad. And Roger Goodell does not want that. You could say he had a chance to actually do this himself. He decided to take the high road. He didn't want to come down with the ruling himself. He could have appealed it, brought it straight to him, and he could have made it, but I don't think they wanted to take it to federal court. I think they wanted to do this in in a much nicer manner, I guess, but um, they could have done this in a a much different way that could have gone faster. They're banking this gets done, honestly, by tomorrow. Uh, That's what the league needs but you know what i'm not gonna just put this on the league waiting for someone i'm not going to put this on on roger goodell's uh you know plate i'm gonna look at the cleveland browns for a second this could very well just be because I'm, I'm a big believer in optics if you have listened to me over the last 14 15 years you know i am a massive believer in optics and um you don't need to say something to show me something. You don't need to say something to tell me something. Um, My big belief is I can see what you're intending and I can see what your actions are just based on what you're doing. Deshaun Watson is going to be out there and you know he's not going to play for a minimum of six games. It might look like oh, you're just trotting him out there because he needs to play because he won't for a good month and a half, regardless of what happens. It will be a minimum of six games, so you need to trot him out there. Um, But the court of public opinion and um, optics, to me, says it a little bit differently. What it says to me is you don't care. And that has been the resounding message the Cleveland Browns have given, not just the National Football League, but they have given... Uh, you know, people across the country. Deshaun Watson did what? Has all these women accusing him of what? Has had help from the Houston Texans with what? Has met with how many women over a period of time? Over 60 what? Cleveland Browns? Oh, we'll pay him a bunch of guaranteed money. We'll give him one of the richest contracts in the National Football League. You said, wait, what What about any of that? Oh, no, we don't care. Uh, we're going to pay him a whole bunch of money. If he gets punished, oh, well, he'll still get paid. Don't care. See, um, the Cleveland Browns could very well have done with their three preseason games, work out the quarterbacks that you will need for at very minimum the six games that you will need to have those quarterbacks not named Deshaun Watson. Or... Put together a quarterback battle because you'll probably need him uh, or need that particular quarterback or set of quarterbacks for much longer than six games. Let's face it, Deshaun Watson's not going to be sitting for only six games. It will be no less, but it will definitely be much, much more. That's why it gives the optic that the Browns just don't care. They don't care that Deshaun Watson has, again, Roger Goodell's words, egregious and predatory behavior. Doesn't matter to them. They're going to trot him out because what's more important to them is they want him out there because they paid him so much money and they're going to play him, regardless of what you think. So the NFL needs to really hope that there is a ruling that comes down tomorrow uh, that puts the kibosh on that and forces the Cleveland Browns to get out of the idea that you're going to be putting Deshaun Watson on a field just by a technicality because a number of games says you can play in the preseason, but nothing else for a little while. Uh, our Zephyr Insurance text line is at 808-296-1420. Uh, real quickly, a couple of updates on, uh, on the youth sports scene since it's been kind of coming into us. Uh, 10-and-under Cal Ripken World Series in Vincennes, Indiana today. Uh, OBRL Homegrown. Uh, They go 3-and-1 in pool play, finished up today with a 9-5 win over Jacksonville, Florida. They'll go to the Single Elimination Championship round starting on Thursday. Uh, Their opponent, I think this is Sykeston, Missouri. I think it's Sykeston. Uh, But that's 8 a.m. tomorrow. And again, that's going to be... Uh, single elimination, so uh, one loss uh, knocks you out. So good luck to them. Uh, but uh, for the two teams over at the Cal Ripken uh, Major 1270 World Series, uh, there in Branson, Missouri. Those two Hawaii teams are done. Uh, the uh, OVRL Manoa Crowns, they fall uh, 9-3 to Clemens, North Carolina. They went 4-1, and they were eliminated. Hawaii Kai Elite losing to uh, Greenwich, Connecticut, 5-2, They went 3-2 and in that tournament, and they, too, have been eliminated. So uh, they are done. But uh, a great run by a lot of those schools. And, of course, a lot of schools. A lot of those teams. And, of course, we're watching Honolulu Little League as uh, they will take the field again in the West region on Friday. And we'll keep track of their progress. Uh, Coming up, as we get closer to college football, we're going to bring in a uh, retired... Network executive in about 15 minutes to uh, uh, Give us some background on everything that is going on and why um, I still believe we pay attention very closely in uh, in, in Mountain West circles. I also want to get that individuals uh, uh, Look at what the Mountain West Television contract how, how he feels about it good contract bad contract. I'm, I'm curious from his perspective. We'll do that coming up Got a Sports Center update coming up in uh, just about 10 minutes. Please ignore the San Francisco Giants score today. Please ignore the San Francisco Giants score today. I'm begging you. Uh, I don't need to be reminded about how bad the bullpen was today. It was awful. Uh, but Sports Center, with the latest on what's going on in Major League Baseball and more. Uh, coming up in just a little while. As I mentioned, we will have uh, in just a little bit uh, retired president from uh, Fox Sports joining us in just a little while. Knows a lot about these television contracts uh, with college and and pro sports, how they work, how how they refer to these um, to these properties as, and um, you know what it means for. Um, you know what it means for you, the viewer. Also, um, you know what it means for these conferences, because I think for you, the viewer, honestly, you don't you don't really care, right? You the viewer, you just want to watch the games. The only thing that would get the viewer upset is if they can't find the games. Great example of that would be uh thursday night football i know this is going away from college for a moment uh thursday night football is going to be on uh on amazon prime and it's not going to be on television for those that didn't know by the way uh thursday night football will not be on television and there was a uh recent poll that was done by our friends at cumulus and westwood one and uh barrett sports media our good friend jason barrett hi and, um, they found that as everything goes now to, um, to, to, to streaming, as everybody starts to figure out eventually that they're not going to be able to watch Thursday night football on television, that, uh, you're going to ultimately find that people are going to get, uh, really, really upset. I think they found that in their, uh, their, um. Their poll, they asked like the casual fan, eighteen and up. They asked those who occasionally watch games and those who would would consider that they um, they watch a lot of NFL. They're they're regular uh, regular viewers, and I think they found that less than fifty percent of regular viewers to the NFL, those who consistently take in NFL content. Less than 50% of them know that Thursday Night Football is not going to be on television this year. And that is, that's that's going to be... I, I cannot imagine. We're going to get calls to our studios on Thursdays, even though we have nothing to do with it. We have nothing to do with television. People are going to call us on Thursdays. They're going to say, uh, what channel is the NFL game on? And then we're going to say, it's not. And then they're going to say... What do you mean? What channel is it on? And we'll say it's not on a channel. It's not on TV. You need Amazon Prime. You need to have a subscription to Amazon Prime to be able to watch the games, not on your TV or find a way to get it on your TV because you could you know you could do it that way. That's when people care. I realize that is when they are inconvenienced. I still remember the first time a University of Hawaii game, I think it might have been basketball or it might have been football, I don't remember, was not on television. And I think it was, was it ESPN3? or I think it was. I think it was ESPN3. And I remember people going, what is this? And secondly, um, is someone going to find a way to get it on our TVs? Which, of course, the answer was going to be no, because that that's beside the point there's the reason why they put it on streaming is because more people are putting it on streaming nowadays. That's where people are going because people are going and cutting cords. So, streaming. Nowadays, it's not so bad uh, because you can get a University of Hawaii men's basketball game, for example, if it's not here. You can watch pretty much every one of them in conference on ESPN+, and now people are pretty much used to it. Nobody's like, well, can somebody put it on a TV? I think most people kind of understand now um but there are the implications that lead to that uh you know that that lead us to the area where you have to find different ways to watch your games and that's kind of where we're going to get to especially in the college end the big 10 news is um it, it it's a seismic shift if ESPN's not going to do big 10 games that leaves opportunities for the Pac-12 and the Big 12 on TV And if there are opportunities for the Pac-12, then it means, well, the Pac-12 might as well add more schools. And if the Pac-12 is going to add more schools because the opportunities are there, then, well, where are they going to add them from? I mean, there's probably only one place where you can go to get them from, right? So all of that kind of comes into play. Um, So we're going to talk with – a, a, a new guest, someone we're going to meet for the first time. I will meet for the first time. You will meet for the first time. A retired president from Fox Sports, Bob Thompson.
1: Just take those old on
0: More I of that Nick Rolovich situation coming up in a little while. Himself. I still can't believe this is still a thing. That's coming up uh, in just a little bit. Josh Pacheco in for Chris and Gary. It's the Sports Animals here on ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Happy to welcome in Bob Thompson. He's the uh, principal Thompson Sports Group, LLC, and a retired president of Fox Sports Networks and Fox Sports International. Uh, Bob, I appreciate you giving us some time. I know uh, I know people have been reaching out to you a lot here lately as uh, television rights and college sports has been... Um, it's been a big talking point and, you know, we're kind of looking at the domino effect being in the mountain West conference. Of course, Hawaii being in the mountain West, you're kind of being reactive to what is happening everywhere else. And I would imagine the big 10 news that we heard the other day that likely does not include ESPN, uh, I'm sure has that domino effect potentially for the PAC 12 and maybe farther beyond that and how, um, how these conferences survive with TV money.
2: Uh, Yeah, it's been a busy, busy few weeks, Josh. Uh, Thanks for having me on. Um, You know, I think yesterday with the Big Ten, um, at least until it's final, you're never for sure what's going to happen. But the fact that it appears that ESPN leaked out, that they were no longer uh, involved kind of tells me that they're probably uh, definitely out. And uh, it does create a domino effect. I think uh, with them being out of the Big Ten, I think it was a, really good day for the folks at the Pac-12 and probably for the folks at the Big 12, uh, given that ESPN is still going to need some football inventory. They've got ESPN, ESPN2, ESPNU, and and, uh, and a few windows on on ABC every Saturday to fill. And they're not going to be able to do it with just SEC. They're going to have to continue with some of the other conferences. uh, First in the, or as they say, on the clock is the Pac-12 they uh, probably are just out of an exclusive negotiating window with ESPN and Fox, so they'll be testing the waters with uh, you know all everybody who who could potentially be interested. And then the Big Twelve is is probably about a year behind uh, the Pac-12, assuming they don't move their exclusive window up and begin the negotiations early. So there's going to be some more activity here in the next uh, next month, but you know, it it may not get resolved all that quickly. Sometimes these TV deals take a while.
0: Um, Take us behind the scenes, if you can, uh, into the negotiating uh, rooms, into the meeting rooms as everybody's getting together. Um, As someone who's been on the television side of these conversations, when you're going in there, you're talking about potentially, you know, making some kind of an agreement. From the television end... How how does television's part of that conversation, uh, or what does it center around? How does how does that get framed to these uh, to these conferences and, and, and their schools?
3: Right.
2: Well, you know, from a TV standpoint, we're we're looking at market size, we're looking at uh, brands, we're looking at alumni following, we're looking at rivalries, we're looking at the ratings history the conferences might have as it relates to other conferences. And not a lot different than what the schools look at when they're um, out looking for potential uh, expansion partners. Um, You know, we we try and figure out how you know what kind of games we could make, crossover games between other conferences we might have rights to. um, What are the you know big rivalries within the conference, and and the ability to ensure that we have access to those games. So those those are the things that the 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 network looks at as they you know decide you know how much to bid and for how long.
0: There's something you said that I wanted to follow up on. Talking about you know the ability to potentially create crossover matchups. We see schedules that are going into the 2030s uh, right now in in college sports. How much is how much are networks? How much is TV involved in some of those non-conference uh, some of that non-conference scheduling? Um,
2: we, we've been known to make a game review <laughs> or two. <laughs> I, you know, I think it's 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 good. It, you know, it's good for the networks, but it's also good for the schools. I think one of the things that schools have learned, uh, especially in the Power Five conferences, is you can't just necessarily play a bunch of patsies in your non-conference schedule. You've got to have some some good wins outside of your conference. And I think that's going to be even more important as some of these conferences get bigger, and you might go to nine you know, nine conference games or, or 10 conference games, those two games that are outside of that, outside of the conference games, still need to be pretty strong because at the end of the day, you got you to gotta think what the selection committee is, is looking for uh, in terms of, you know, total body of work. And Now, that might change at some point if the college football playoff expands to 12 or 16 teams, you know, then um, you're going to have some automatic qualifiers but you're also going to have some some teams that are going to be totally judged on on their, their, their play for that season and who they played.
0: Bob Sonsman joining us. He is the retired president of Fox Sports and of Fox Sports International with us here on ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. If I'm putting you in the room right now, let's say with the Pac-12, um, you see what allegedly could be coming out with the Big Ten – the Pac-12 may have an opportunity, as as you said, to capitalize. Uh, maybe get some some better windows. Um, maybe it leads to the extinction of the Pac-12 network if people still watch it. Um, you know, if if you're one of those television executives when you're in the room, are you potentially throwing out the idea of there are these potential windows, but you might need more schools if you've only got ten teams. Is that is that the kind of conversation that exists?
2: Um, I, I could see that conceivably. I, you know, I, I never was a person who said you need to go out and chase this school or that mm-hmm. school. You know, if a conference came to us and said, what do you think about chasing this school or that school? I would certainly give them my information or give them my ideas and thoughts and, you know, mm-hmm. run the numbers as it relates to adding a school. Um, but in this situation with the PAC 10, I, I would be comfortable with a 10 school conference. I think For them, the value that, or the total dollars they're gonna be able to generate is they're gonna do better if it's being divided by 10 than if it's being divided by 12. Um, And I think that's gonna be important to them. I would also try and convince them that of the error of their ways with the PAC-12 networks from uh, 10 years ago and that they went down the wrong path by doing it on their own and they should have replicated the path that we took the big 10 mess took the Big Ten down and created the Big Ten Network, and that's a, a single-feed channel with uh, you know strong you know, collection of non-conference football, some conference football, non-conference basketball, and, and the Olympic sports, and even some conference basketball. No need for seven feeds. There's only need for one. And by, by partnering with, with us, you know we have the juice in order to get the channel cleared, which you want on your own. So, after hopefully they, they uh, understand the error of their ways, we can figure out a way to, to create some extra value out of that package. You know, whether that's killing the PAC 12 networks and, and creating a new package that might be on some streaming service or something along those lines, or, or slicing and dicing up the, that, that third tier of, of rights to create more value for the conference. Um, That's what I'm I'm trying to convince them to do. They have some value in that in that 10:30 Eastern um, window. It's uh, interesting. It took us years to get them to agree to do that and sort of create the whole Pac-12 after dark type thing. And it's become very you know very very popular for a couple reasons. Number one, it's at that time of night. It's the only game on the air, and so you you're not up against games on. You know four other channels so the uh, while it's still west coast centric you, you've got you've got the market all to yourself um i i think that the thing that m- they ultimately saved the Pac-12 and their TV rights is the thing that all the coaches and athletic directors hate, and that's the 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 730 local kicks.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, apparently late-night windows – people talk about it here in Hawaii. They think the late-night windows do mean something to networks. I, I do want to ask that uh, in, a, in a second, but um, something else that was being thrown around – during that PAC 12 media days. And I'm I'm glad you're here because I think you can shed some light on whether it is meaningful or not. Um, I think it was Utah's head coach. It might've actually been the, the the conference commissioner who who said um, just because UCLA and USC are leaving doesn't mean we still can't play games in Los Angeles and try to own that market. Basically saying um, maybe we'll play some, some neutral site non-conference games in Los Angeles. It to a television executive. Does that matter?
2: No. <laughs> yeah, you know, w- when I heard that I it it really kinda of perplexed me. I, it because first of all he, he didn't say non conference. He said we might we might play conference games. Right. And that makes no sense to me whatsoever. I, I mean and what school is gonna give up an uh a home date and say, Yeah, we'll play it at Sofi uh or play it at you know, they're not gonna play it at U at, at uh uh in Pasadena or at the at the Coliseum. <laughs> I guarantee you that. So you're looking at either SoFi or uh, one of the soccer stadiums. Um, but I, I just don't, I don't see that. I mean, sure, there's a lot of Pac-10 alumni from all over the country uh, living in LA. There's a lot of Big Ten alumni from all over the company, country living in LA too. And I, I just think, I, I, I don't see that at, for conference games. Maybe a non-conference game, you could create a, you know, kickoff type classic. Uh, you know, Chick Fil A type kickoff classic they they have in Atlanta and they have in Dallas. Maybe you have one in L.A. and you and you you get a good a good non-conference matchup matchup between uh, you know an, an ACC school or a Big Ten school or Southeast school or whatever and a Pac-12 school that might make sense in L.A. But to me, and maybe the championship game makes sense in L.A. But conference does not at all.
0: Bob Thompson joining us, a retired president of Fox Sports and uh, Fox Sports International. He's the principal at Thompson Sports Group. Uh, last one for you, Bob. And I, I know you – I think you retired before uh, the Mountain West worked out its deal with Fox and, and CBS a few years ago. So I, I I think I feel pretty comfortable asking you about it. Um, you know, that deal do, done a couple of years ago got the Mountain West some games on network television on, on Fox along with uh, a few more games on network television on CBS – uh, of course, there's the tonnage on uh, on the cable side, um, but I'll be honest. I I was surprised. I don't know how you feel about that contract because I was surprised it went away from digital, where more people are going as as we've seen, like with the SEC and others are going toward digital and toward streaming and and those platforms.
2: Um, what do you make of that? Well, I, yeah, you're right. I was I was gone for a few years after that, but I'm. I'm pretty aware of the deal. I, I, you know, I think for, for Fox, it was, you know, Boise States, you know, had some, had a good run and there's been some, um, I think some, some good opportunities for the conference to you know, help fill out that window in uh Saturday night, you know, the later kickoffs. And I think the mountain West conference actually has a, an opportunity to actually come out pretty good in this deal. Next round. So, for instance, if somehow Fox is shut out of East Coast or the Pac-10 product, they're going to need the ability to probably continue to fill those windows on Friday, on Saturday night, either on FS1 or even on on Fox, depending on the matchups. So, I think from that standpoint, the Mountain West Conference could be a beneficiary if somehow ESPN decides to go after 100% of the Pac-12. So, that from that standpoint, I think it's good. As far as the, the whole streaming thing, um, you know, here's my take on that. The, the Big Ten deal was probably, if you look at that, it's the anti-streaming deal. This is the first college deal that has three broadcast partners in it. It's, it's like the NFL. You know, you got, you, got, you got Fox, you got CBS, you got NBC. You got the NFC, the AFC, and you got the Sunday night Game so it, it, there and it so far nothing has been relegated to a streaming service i'm not saying that there won't be an element of streaming you know nbc hasn't done many deals of late but didn't include some streaming capabilities for peacock um so you know until all that comes out the the deal is is you know finally done uh, we won't know what the streaming element is but i don't think these conferences by and large especially in an era of cord cutting, want to go too far to the digital too fast. And the idea that having as many of these games on free over-the-air television, where all you need is some rabbit ears to get them, is very appealing to the conference. But I think they're also going to be smart and dip their toe into the streaming world. And whether that's with Peacock or with Prime Video or if it's with Apple TV or whoever, uh, they'll probably do something. But I don't think they're going to go a significant package, you know, maybe it's something in the case of say, the PAC 12, it's carved out of the PAC 12 networks, or in the case of the big 10, it's some package that's somewhere, but, you know, a little bit out of big 10 network, cause you don't want to, you don't want to cripple your, your mm. conference channel. So you want to try and make everybody happy yet have that streamer element because, you know, those guys might overpay just to get a taste. And, you know, for the conferences trying to add a few incremental dollars at, for minimal content, it might be a good scenario.
0: Bob, I have a 20-something in the other room who's uh, saying right now, "Uh, bunny ears, what's that? Or rabbit ears, what's that? Uh...
2: (laughs) (laughs) Tell me, tell me it's right next to the rotary phone.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We're a lot smarter, uh, I think, based on this conversation over the past 15 minutes. Uh, Bob, thank you so much for the insight. I I really appreciate it. It's it's something that fascinates me, but I think as we, we keep going through this and we watch conference alignment we see how television's involved uh, i think a lot of us are going to circle back to this conversation and, and really use it as a, as a guide to how we move forward uh thanks so much have a good night
2: my pleasure thanks for uh reaching out to me and let me know if you need anything else
0: absolutely will do that's bob thompson uh, he's the principal of thompson sports group and uh retired president fox sports and fox sports international a couple of things that he said in there that um that I'd, i'll take away from we'll, we'll do that on the other side oh keegan um the, the the rabbit ears, that's what they used before they had digital tuners in TV. You had to move the antennas, get the right signal so you could get the broadcast networks and PBS. And, you know, there was a time, too, where people put foil around them as well uh, to try to get their channels if they didn't have cable on their TV. I'm just, I'm uh, as as they would say on NBC, the more you know, Just I, just trying to help.
1: I would like to just point out this is showing your age
0: a little bit. Hey, you know what? Sometimes that's not a bad thing to show my age for for some of those people that think I'm young, dumb, and stupid. You should have heard during the commercial break, we were talking about age when Keegan Oates said just before we went to commercial break, talking about rabbit ears on television, bunny ears, rabbit ears, whatever you want to call it, the antenna. He said, you're showing your age. What did he say my age was during the break, Keegan? Say that to the audience. What did you say? How old did you say I was?
1: He was explaining it to me during the break, and then all of a sudden I just say, I'll say it in an exact statement. Okay, we get it. You're in your (laughs) mid-40s. The problem is I'm not in my 40s, dude.
0: I haven't even crossed that yet. I'm in my mid-30s, and I won't see the 40s for a long time. Look, you took a
1: shot at me the other day I, while I, we were off air as well, if you'd like to explain that part.
0: Oh, um, well, we're not going to explain that part because we haven't told the peeps yet what's happening in five days. Uh, we haven't shared that with the audience yet. Um, I didn't know I'd really look old. Have I, a- I I have. Don't say it. I've aged a lot since working here. Um, I did not have gray hair until I started working here and the grays are coming out on the side and it's starting to come out pretty good. So I, I, I get where you think I might be mid forties, definitely not close to mid forties. Thanks Keegan. Um, a couple things I took away from that interview with Bob Thompson, uh, sports centers coming up in about five minutes. Uh, I, I thought he made a great point on, on mountain West rights. Where if you if you look at what potentially is ahead, you know the Mountain West is in wait and see mode, and you know if if um, you know if the Pac-12, I mean you, you're basically right now you're you're watching Fox and you're watching CBS because those are your two rights holders. Uh, they are both aligned. Well, CBS is aligned right now potentially with the Big Ten. So you're going to potentially see that. Fox has the Big Ten. They own a stake in the network. Um, they don't have anybody else. You know, if, if CBS is jumping into the Big Ten, depending on how many games, what that means is that's the potential for a loss of games for you on a CBS network of some kind. So, you know, you're watching that very closely. I think on the Fox end, I don't think anything's really going to change for them. Maybe more games... Um, so you're kind of thinking about that, uh, what happens. Of course, the Pac-12 and the Big 12 could cancel that out, so there's a lot of ways that you could go, but basically, you're watching that landscape and seeing where you fit and whether another network might really need you. Coming up this hour, the Live Tour, A, needs to take some of that guaranteed money and hire a better legal team, um, and B, well, I guess because of that lost. Uh, We'll get into that coming up just after the bottom of the hour. Uh, Our guest uh, joining us from uh, CBSSports.com. Rick Gaiman's going to join us. Uh, The podcast, the First Cut podcast uh, from CBSSports.com. That's a little bit later on here in the show. I'm Josh Pacheco in for Chris and Gary. You can hear them in the morning on the Bobby Curran show on uh, ESPN Honolulu. I'm here in for them on the Sports Animals we are at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Also a little bit later on, uh, Savannah Ryer, former University of Hawaii Rainbow Wahine basketball player. Uh, she is now part of uh, head coach Laura Beeman's staff just a couple of years after uh, ending her player uh, playing career. We'll catch up with her and uh, talk about something she's involved in uh, with Rainbow Wahine basketball that's coming up. At about 5.30 this afternoon, you can uh, text us at 808-296-1420. You can call us at 808-296-1420. You can tweet us uh, at SportsAnimals, at Josh on the radio. I'm going to say this. If your text makes me scroll a lot, I probably won't be able to read it on the air. I have a text here regarding college athletics It doesn't fit the screen. Now, I have the larger version screen of one of the newer iPhone models. If I have to scroll a lot to read your text message, it might be kind of hard to read. Um, So if you can make it a little concise, uh, that can really help. It was about, um, you know, with what to do with college athletics. If we have some time a little bit later on, I I don't want to ignore it. I want to get to it. I want to kind of summarize it a little bit more. Uh, because it is, again, it's really, really, really long. Uh, that coming up in a little while. And Texter from the 780, 780 is just going, LOL, because Keegan thinks I'm in my 40s, uh, which I'm not. That is... Um, that's that's a little upsetting today. That's, that's really changed the tone of the show. I'm a little surprised that Nick Rolovich is still in the news. Or, actually, let me... Um, let me amend that statement. I'm a little surprised Nick Rolovich is keeping himself in the news. That's because, as we learned earlier today, he's filed a, a claim against the university. Uh, that's Washington State University. He wants $25 million for uh, wrongful termination because he was fired for not getting uh, a COVID-19 vaccination. I feel bad for his family. Good family. Um you know I I I feel bad because this is not something that you take lightly as a public figure. Taking a stand for something, whatever you whatever you believe the stance is whether it is right or wrong, you know I'm not um, and it doesn't have to be sports. I mean, obviously, COVID-19 got into the sports world, but also is very much political and 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 all that. I'm, and, I, and trust me, I don't want to use this space as a place for us to re-litigate this debate. We're not going to do that. Um, but when it affects livelihoods, and I realize um, Nick Rolovich got paid fairly good money. He was one of the highest paid state employees here in this state and um, and, and and honestly um, he made some good money uh, to, to go to Washington State. He didn't last there but it was also um, it, it was also a choice and when that affects livelihoods, it affects families. And um, I can't imagine what kind of strife this might have caused for him because, uh, again, um, he doesn't have a job. I don't believe he's gone back into coaching. I don't know if he's doing anything voluntarily. Uh, But this has affected his ability to get a job. And and his rise, I mean, it was a fairly good rise from – you know, a, a first-time head coach at Hawaii to a jump to a a power conference to now, frankly, college football's face of COVID nineteen, and I I think in it's a bummer because we all you know kind of got to know them and enjoyed some good laughs with them and and uh, you know. Got to you know, got to know us and all that. And it makes it very difficult. But we have to put that aside. Because unfortunately, in college football, he is what has turned out to be the face of COVID-19. He wasn't the only one, but he was the, I believe, the lone head coach in FBS college football to lose his job over not getting the vaccine. And that's why we say it, the face of the pandemic in college football. Um, you may recall that he cited his faith, he was not granted uh, a, a religious exemption, he uh, had a, an appeal that didn't go down back in November, um, You know, nothing went right for him, and now he's taken this legal route in order to try to claim $25 million, although they say a formal lawsuit um, has not been filed. I don't know. I don't know if this is the the term hail mary. If if this is kind of like the the last attempt to try to you know regain something, because I I honestly don't see how you're going to get twenty five million dollars in this lawsuit. You can claim your faith, but uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that you automatically get a religious exemption. It should be noted that I believe uh, it went all the way up. In, you know, I think the, the Catholic faith, I think it was the Pope who did say uh, it is not wrong to get the vaccine. Again, I'm not going to relitigate whether you should get or not get the vaccine. I think we've gotten past that point. So let's not go down that rabbit hole. But it is it is very hard when the leader of that faith is saying it is not against the religion to get the vaccine and you're a member of that particular faith and you're citing it as your exemption to not get the vaccine. I think at the end of the day, and... Nick Rolovich isn't going to talk to anybody. He went from someone who uh, talked often. He was, uh, you know, we could talk to him. He was on social media. You could talk to him on social media all the time. Guess what? Nick Rolovich's last tweet on social media was July 21st, 2021. Remember how active he used to be? When he first got to Washington State, he would post a picture of what diner he would be at, and he'd pay for people's meals. Um, you know, at at UH, a lot of the stuff that he was posting on social media, which was huge because I thought he did a great job of marketing the program um, in a free way using social media. It was something UH needed, and I thought was great that he did. Silence. Ever since that one statement, remember that July 21st, 2021, when he posted a statement prior to Pac-12 media days in which he said, and I quote, while I have made, I well, let me go back. I have elected not to receive a COVID-19 vaccine for reasons which will remain private. While I have made my own decision, I respect that every individual, including our coaches, staff, and student athletes, can make his or her own decision regarding the COVID-19 vaccine. I will not comment further on my decision. Close quote. And then he appeared at Pac-12 Media Days remotely. And then he was, I think, like one of the lone coaches to have to coach with a mask on. And then, um, you know, it it, it came out about his job and whether he could do the job being unvaccinated because it included, uh, your job includes recruiting, you have to be in front of people. If you know, Part of the requirement there was you had to social distance. How are you going to do all that? Um, and it was determined at the end of the day that they did not feel that um, he could do the job being unvaccinated, which I thought was a fair decision and that they had determined. It's not like uh, you can be a head coach upstairs socially distant from people, every game. That's not it's not a way to coach a college team. I want to know and we'll never know. But if I had to ask a question to Nick Rolovich today, my question to him would be Nick, what's your end game? You know, uh, that's it. What is your end game? Because I get it. I get that you lost money being let go, and you were set to make a lot better money there at Washington State than uh, than you were at the University of Hawaii. So, I mean, I, I, I get that there is that motivation. Is it that? Is it money motivated? Is it job motivated? Because I cannot imagine that right now going this route and winning is going to get your job back. In fact, I would probably argue that Nick Rolovich fighting the system is going to take him farther away from getting a, a, a meaningful college job than him not fighting the system. And it should be noted, I don't know if Nick Rolovich had ultimately gotten the vaccine. I don't think it's been reported. I haven't seen it anywhere. If he decided in the last, what, uh, how's it been? Nine months? If he's gone and gotten it. Um, I'm not sure how many schools still have that mandate when they hire or if they don't hire. Um, But he is still, unfortunately, he is still the poster boy for that. And I think there is the view that, okay, this didn't go his way. Uh, A university at the very top made a decision. Now, if I'm another university and I want to make a hire, well, I got to look at the last place of employment and wonder, um, if you're going to hire him, what are you getting yourself into? You know? And, and, And that's why... I, I A, I don't see him winning this lawsuit. Because just because you file for an exemption, and this is not just for COVID 19, but I think this goes in, in other places. Um in, in in other places you can file for the exemption, but that, it, it doesn't mean you automatically get the exemption. It goes, whether it goes to the HR department or you go, it goes to your supervisor, goes to the head of the company, whoever it does, they have to approve um, your reason for filing an exemption. And if they feel like it's credible, okay. If they don't feel like it's credible or they don't feel like uh, giving the exemption is going to make a difference when it comes to the ability to do your job, then the employer does have the right, my understanding is, to deny the exemption request. So where he thinks he will come off with $25 million, I don't know. And I really believe this is going to keep him farther and farther away from an opportunity to to coach again. You know, there are guys who... Um, you know, we're we're on his staff. There were several guys who were also let go. And I don't know their situations uh, legally, but there were several guys who were let go, um, you know, who ultimately, I don't remember their exemption status, but, you know, they, Craig Stutzman, for example. Craig Stutzman is at Utah Tech, the school formerly known as Dixie State. He was one of those that was uh, let go because he did not get the vaccine. He has landed on his feet. I don't know if there is a legal situation involving him, but again, um, he has landed on his feet, and he is coaching at at an FCS program. If Nick Rolovich wants to get back into coaching... And that is ultimately, I think, one of the biggest questions we ask ourselves watching this. If if, if he wants to get back into coaching, then I, I think he needs to ask himself what's going to get him there. And frankly, as long as COVID-19 still exists in this world, and it does, it's going to be hard for someone to hire him at a, frankly at a head coach or coordinator level because there is a trust that I don't think exists right now. And, um, you know, being removed from the game and seeing how that all ended, I think it leaves, you know, people talk. People around college athletics and, and, and universities outside of athletics, they talk. And I'm pretty sure... If there was any school that was was interested in hiring him, you know who they'd go and talk to? Um, they'd probably have their university president go and talk to Washington State's university president. And their athletics director probably talked to the other athletics director. Because people in those positions make great relationships you know, I I think David Matlin, Hawaii Athletics Director, would probably tell you that firsthand. You know, one of the reasons why you know Hawaii I think has had so much support from the Mountain West in what has been kind of a tough transition involving its its uh, football stadium situation is because it's gotten uh, it's gotten good support from um, from their peers, the, from the fellow ADs, and from the fellow school presidents which ultimately does trickle up to the commissioner of the Mountain West. Um, if you don't have those kinds of relationships, you don't foster those and build those, um, you know, it, it, it can be tougher to do your job. But it's also so important because the networking really comes in handy when names pop up and people might want recommendations or might want to know, oh, what well, what was it like? What was it like when uh, Nick Rolovich was coaching Washington State? You know, during this whole situation, was he difficult to handle? Was he fighting everything? Was he just you know, doing his job? What was he doing? And you got to believe that all of that is going to come into play uh, if he ever wants uh, another job while COVID 19 still exists. And he also has to check, and I'm sure his lawyers are going to probably want to check as well. Um, do some of these schools still have these vaccine mandates in play? Texture from the 224. Nick's motivation is financial. It's a money grab. Agree with you that his chance of winning is slim. He claims he was fired unjustly because of discrimination due to his Catholic religious faith. Yet the Pope advocated vaccination. Is Nick more Catholic than the Pope? A, no. But B, I really, really don't like the... Uh, are you more? And I and I know you're not trying to do it, uh, but I'm just gonna say it. I really don't like the "Are you more this than that person?" Um, and I think it it makes it makes your point. Uh, I'm I'm just kind of sticking it out in front of people. It's a it's a crummy way to live sometimes. Are you more religious than that person? Are you more of a fan than that person? are you more of a vegetarian than that person because you don't slip up? You know, like, yeah, it makes me feel kind of slimy inside. And, and, and I'm sure the texter probably feels the same way. He's making the point. Um, and the point is is very, very fair. Um, and I'm not going to get into a religious conversation because I think there are some people that could find some, some cracks in that conversation too.
3: Um,
0: but if this is... If this is financial, which I believe it is, then what I probably would have suggested is go backwards. See, you know, part of the decision making is all right. If you're going to, if you're going to decide, you're going to stick to your your beliefs, and you don't believe you should get a vaccine, so don't. So you don't get a vaccine, whatever. Um, now you have to think about what's next you're going to be sacrificing many paychecks over several years. Um, And then if that happens, like you have to think of the what ifs. Okay, if if you stick to this, yeah, you're going to be losing a lot of those paychecks, but then you also have to think about, all right, um, what else am I potentially missing? Um, Am I going to – if I don't get retained or if I get fired, do I think I'm going to file a lawsuit? If I think I'm going to file a lawsuit, then um, I'm going to want to recoup some of that money if – do I think I would win that lawsuit if I filed a lawsuit? Uh, so you want to have really good lawyers. Uh, so you're spending money now because you're you're hiring really good lawyers because you're probably going to have to think that you're going to need to defend yourself because you think something's going to go wrong because really you don't think you're going to be retained uh, because of the vaccine mandate. You, you see where I'm getting at here? Like the if, if it's a money grab, then you kind of had to think about that um, as the band-aid was rolling into place and as the school was cracking down on it, and you were right in the middle of all of it. Sometimes you just can't live for the moment, especially if you got a family and kids. That you have to think down the road and consider, okay, is this going to be worth going through a lawsuit down the road that I may or may not win? that could affect how we live spent some time on uh, nick rolovich's 25 million dollar claim against washington state although it's officially not been filed it's going to at some point john's hanging on very patiently at 808-296-1420 on this hi john
1: hey i just had to call in about this uh, thing with nick rolovich uh just to let you know that i've been vaccinated and i've got a booster shot like twice so you know where i stand on the issue but uh um you know it's it's interesting though is that i have a lot of uh personal friends that i know from like church and outside of church that are like anti-vaxxers and they almost it's some kind of weird conspiracy thing uh, like the government's lying to us or something uh, There seems to be some kind of deep mistrust of the government that you're just never going to get rid of in society, but it was, uh, I just looked at it. You got Donald Trump and Joe Biden that were both for it. So like, what you know, if you're talking politics, you got to take that out of it. But, uh, you know, um, I, in my age group, uh, I'm like 67. I just felt like, uh, it, it wasn't worth the risk of, uh, of not getting it, but, uh, This whole thing with Rolovich, I support guys from Hawaii and, like, everything they're doing, but I was just shaking my head the whole time with uh, this thing with Nick. And I I don't know if it's going to get thrown out of court or if Washington is just going to settle because they want to get rid of this. But uh, I I would not uh, support him in his uh, viewpoint on this.
0: Hey, good call, John. I appreciate you dialing in. I'll I'll say this. Um, I don't judge people. um, I know people who didn't get it and uh, that doesn't change the way I view them. You know, with, with Nick, I I like Nick, uh, and, and Nick was nothing but good to me. So my my opinion of Nick as a person doesn't change because of the decision he made. Um, I can judge the decision relative to employment and, you know, the, the fighting of that. I can judge that. I don't... Um, but I don't judge the person because I think that's, it's become incredibly divisive in doing that. And I don't, I don't want to do that. I think it's a slippery slope and there are, there are good people that, um, they felt it wasn't best for them. And I don't, I, I, I it's, it's, that's not someone, you know, once you start hitting that area, I, I, I don't feel comfortable in it. Um, but yeah, I, in, in this case, employment and, 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 I think trying to use religion in a way where it was kind of debunked already makes it very, very difficult. Uh let's get Drew in here, uh, before we hit break. Drew, how are you?
3: How you doing? Good, Drew. Hey, I'm just calling about the Rolovich. Um like like I agree with what you say. I don't judge his um judge a person. I don't think he's a bad person. I just think he made a real bad decision. And um we gotta look where, where, where he came from, Hawaii, what he was making and he had a family. And I just think when it comes to some, there's things I have done to feed my family that I had to make a decision, and I had to make it not about myself for being selfish. I had to look at it. I don't know, maybe he did that. Maybe he talked to his family. But that's how I look at things when, I'm, when I make decisions because giving away $25 million for a shot, you know, you'd probably he probably took shots all his life, flu shots, whatever. You know, when flu shot first came out, people was up and arms about the flu shot, you know, and some still are kind of, but not as much. So I just look at that, you know, when you got to trying to feed a family in this, um, in this environment, and you're 25 million all over a shot. I just think he's not a bad guy, but it was a dumb decision.
0: Yeah. And, and Drew, I appreciate you listening in. Thank you for the call. Kind of like what I said at the top. Um, in, in that case, I really do think about, you know, you think about the family, you think about the wife and kids and, it's thinking bigger picture, um, not just what's in front of you. You have to think a few years down the road. And it's possible, and I don't, I don't, this might be an assumption. It may not be fair, but I'm going to roll with it anyway. It's very possible he was starting to make the kind of money that made him relate just a little bit less to you and me, um, not making that same kind of money. Um, and maybe not feeling like those decisions might be the kind of life-altering monetary decisions because, well, he's had them. He's had the good money roll in, where there are people, especially in the pandemic, who lost money and had to make very difficult decisions, Uh, people taking pay cuts, people losing jobs, you know? Um, You kind of wonder if that, that kind of comes into play, but yeah it, you know it's it's more it's more than just an occupation at that point it is it is really also about you know who you're also responsible for uh, and you're not just responsible for yourself and I'm not even talking about his his players and I'm not even talking about his coaching staff. I'm talking about really the more immediate uh, we're going to turn to golf. We've got a guest on that coming up next, uh, especially the live tour losing yesterday and the statement from the live tour after losing was gold all of our guests here on the sports animals appear courtesy of our your sponsor here hotline it's open call us Uh, britt gaiman joining us now uh here on espn honolulu you can check out the uh, First Cut Podcast at CBS uh, You can also check out his website, RickRungood.com. Uh, Rick, I'm thinking back to that lawsuit yesterday. Uh, Live Golf, uh, well, it was really three golfers who are part of Live Golf, uh, wanted to be a part of the FedEx Cup playoffs. The PGA Tour denied them of that. And uh, a judge basically agreed, saying that they do not have the right to participate in the FedEx Cup playoffs um but there was more to that than just what the judge found um what what did you take away from from uh, paying attention to that lawsuit yesterday
4: and i'm certainly i'm certainly no lawyer but we did get the curtain kind of pulled back a, a little bit on some of the timelines of these guys leaving the PGA tour going to live golf what some of the contracts uh via the live golf have to say so there there were a couple of items i i think i think it was kind of so funny that you know live lawyers um in an attempt to try to get their players into the fedex cup playoffs almost had to act like the fedex cup is the biggest greatest event it's the super bowl it's everything and the pga tour has to kind of say oh, oh no no um th- there's going to be so many of these court battles and, and this is just the, the first of many where. A lot of the players who went to live golf, I I believe were under the assumption that they were still going to at least have access to some aspects of the PGA tour, like the playoff system. And they thought that the PGA tour did not have uh, really the jurisdiction to kind of keep them out of the playoffs. And they thought that if it was going to go to court, that judges would rule in their favor. And there's only been one, one very, very small hearing, but um that's not how it went down for the live golfers so i i think there might be some concern about um their their legal stances moving forward here
0: like you rick i am definitely not a legal expert um but in you just saying what those golfers maybe thought they would be entitled to which is still the opportunity to be a part of the fedex cup playoffs i really question uh, not just legal strategy, but I'm I'm questioning common sense in the belief that you thought you could still get that and leave the PGA Tour at the same time.
4: Yeah, the, the phrase that we've been saying this whole time is, is, is these guys want their cake and, and they want to eat it too, right? And it's a situation we saw actually, you know, in the little bit of discovery that's going on, we've seen text messages between Sergio Garcia and Greg Norman, and Greg Norman is adamant that – uh, they can and will win any legal battle again, zero for one. And what this one really came down to, uh, at least in, in my opinion, and what uh, what Judge Beth Freeman was really focused on in that two and a half hour uh, hearing yesterday, was irreparable harm. You know, were the are these three players: Taylor Gooch, Matt Jones, Hudson Swafford. Uh, is there irreparable harm for them not being able to participate in the FedEx Cup playoffs? And she determined no, there's not, because the financial harm that they uh, might incur by not being a part of these massive payouts in the playoffs has already been factored into the contract that they've signed on Liv Golf. They've already been calculated into that. So she was able to determine hey, there is no financial harm here that has not already been taken care of by Liz Golf, and, and she did not think that that case was strong enough to let these three play.
0: You just hit on something. Rick Gaiman's joining us, the First Cut podcast at cbssports.com, uh, and also rickrungood.com, the website. You just hit on something that uh, was, was maybe the big startling revelation yesterday yesterday. Um, you know, we'd paid attention so much to the the vast amounts of money that were being given out to the Phil Mickelsons and Dustin Johnsons of the world, and then we come to realize that uh, yeah, that's it's like an advance. Like if you win or you uh, you know you, if you win a tournament or you win a certain payout, that goes against your advance, not necessarily on top of your 200 million dollars, which is almost like a. something very different than what we thought we were being sold when we first learned of these golfers joining the tour and the money that they were being given.
4: Yeah, this has a lot of tentacles. And um, when the the entire entity of Liz Golf has essentially been created around how much money these golfers are going to be able to receive both in Upfront payments and in these massive prize purse tournaments, where the winner of a 48 foot person field is getting four million dollars. I mean, it's a, it's an unheard of sum for the most part in our game. And just yesterday, uh, the live golf lawyer he he kind of let the cat out of the bag. You know, he he's trying to make this case that there's not as much money as reported in these in this these live contracts, and actually. Um, these payments or the, the prize purses are, are are going against the advances. They're not necessarily getting that money in addition to their upfront payments and their contracts. And that is actually something that has been kind of reported in golf media. And, um, you know, a lot of the live golfers have shot that down. A lot of the live spokespeople have shot that down. I think we're coming to learn that. A lot of these contracts are probably different from player to player. There are probably guys who are getting the prize money in addition to their big contracts, and there are certainly guys that are not. But that was kind of a, a big deal when he, when he let that one slip out yesterday.
0: Yeah, that's a um, and that can create some some mistrust and, and certainly some feelings between golfers. It, it also does sound like this lawyer might as well just given up his client's phone records and accidentally sent it to the opposing counsel. Uh, it sounds like that's the kind of day that lawyer was having. Ultimately, uh, the statement that Live Golf basically put out at the end of the day was, uh, in 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 essence, um, we just they just want to play golf. Kind of like this. This indicated that they are not going to be able to play golf, which we know is uh, is absolutely false. But I, you know, while this is like the the battle, uh, one of these many battles, as you said earlier, can live golf ultimately win what I th- will probably be a legal war for the next couple of years, uh, not just for its existence, but also. I think with some of the stuff we found out yesterday, um, maybe it's ability to attract more golfers to live golf. Maybe this stymies that a little bit.
4: Yeah, so I think one of the the bigger revelations around the idea that maybe they're not playing for any money, Um, who knows, it might just be all contracts. Now you start to talk about... Hey, what's the motivation here? And remember, Live Golf—they have another legal battle that's going to be coming up with the official World Golf Ranking system. That's the system that allocates points around the globe, which currently Live Golfers do not receive for those tournaments, and that is how we determine who plays in our major championships. So that's another legal battle that we have coming down the road. And what I think is also interesting is—is is while live golf because it is backed by the Saudi Arabian public investment fund it has unlimited amount of money they're not worried about the financial uh, consequences of, of very long legal battles but the longer this thing stretches out and we already heard that, that, that this could go to trial in 2023 if, if they want to push that, The next earliest date that they could get to is 2025. We're talking three years out. That would decimate these golfers' chances of getting into major championships. It would probably hurt recruiting in a significant way. So they're not worried about the financial aspect of a legal battle. They just need legal resolutions quickly because they're playing a game that is a sprint, not a marathon, compared to what the PGA Tour is trying to do.
0: Last question. Whether it takes a year, two years, three years, what do you think? Uh, what percentage of chance would you put down that live golfers may be able to be eligible for FedEx Cup points and a, and a chance at the FedEx Cup playoffs down the road?
4: Uh, I think it's very small. I think it's ten percent. I, I think, I think, um, I think the PGA Tour and Jay Monahan—they have—they've um, certainly made their mistakes, but they have had to act very, very swiftly. They've had to take very hard stances on um, who is eligible for the PGA tour and who is not eligible for the PGA tour as as a matter of survival. Uh, When you have a startup with unlimited money, uh, it's a very difficult uphill battle that you're fighting. So I I imagine that keeping uh, any live golfers or any non PGA tour member golfers out of the biggest, most premier series of events that you have would be a top priority. So I would be I would be quite surprised if at any point, uh, barring Live Golf dissolving uh, and those guys coming back, that that they would ever be able to play in it.
0: Check out the First Cut podcast at CBSSports.com and the website RickRunGood.com. Uh, Rick Gaiman, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate it, and, and uh, enjoy the weekend.
4: Yes, you too. Thank you so much for having me,
0: Rick, and all of our guests. Appears uh, here on ESPN Honolulu. At 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Yeah, I thought it was just kind of laughable. They win money and it goes against what they make. And that's, you know, it's, it's, um, it can be bad business when that stuff becomes public. Like I could just imagine Phil Mickelson and his $200 million. Uh, what was the rumor with Cam Smith, who didn't didn't announce it yesterday because uh, he was saying, "Oh, I'm here to uh, you know to com- compete in the FedEx Cup playoffs," uh, but there was the rumor that they offered him 100 million dollars to go to Live Golf. Didn't address it at a press conference yesterday; he just basically gave a no comment. But you imagine now, like, okay, um, Phil probably has his all up front. So what about Cam's contract? What about Deshanto's contract? What about so and so's contract? And then you come back to Greg Norman, and you're, you're going to ask the question: What, Greg? Did you just give different contracts with different terms to different people just to get them to join Live? Because that's probably going to be a that's probably going to be a failing tactic in a couple of years. Once everybody finds out, oh, I don't get to make more money until I hit this, but they do. What a jerk! Uh, Sports Center update is in less than six minutes. CSP in Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Zephyr Insurance text line we go. Texter from the I don't know because the number's blank. So, uh, ghost texter. We were talking earlier about Nick Rolovich. What does the COVID vaccine do to mitigate the spread? Lots of vaccinated people get it and spread it. So how is it okay for a person to lose their job for not injecting themselves a fast-tracked drug? Close quote. All right. First, like I said at the beginning of the hour, I'm not litigating the vaccine, okay? We're not doing this. That is such a 2021 conversation. Secondly, the university's policy, which is a statewide policy, gives them the ability to make that decision. With the knowledge at that time, that was the decision That was the policy. Nick Rolovich chose not to follow that policy because he wanted to claim religious exemption in a religion that uh, the Pope said it was okay to get the vaccine. So, don't go there. That's all I'm saying. That's That's what the rule was. Don't go there. Text her from the 277. If you cut a guy because he wanted to join an organization, a group of uh, a group of football players, and got caught in a telephone recording, and you do this by not doing what other—I uh, really need to read this beforehand because I can't understand some of these typos—and you do this by not doing what other employer required to do, than making mum on the vaccine, getting mad at June Jones. Thank God we got Timmy. I feel like I—we went down um, a, a roundabout then B, a windy road, C, a four-way stop, and then D, got to our final destination after sitting in traffic, which was read on Google Maps, just going through that text. Thanks to uh, thanks to you for the 277. I think what he's trying to say is, after I went through that entire roadmap, what he's trying to say is, look at all the stuff that was alleged, because what you're talking about, um, a player that wanted to join an organization, kind of like a... You know, a, a group of players, Nick Rolovich was not okay with it. Um, there was a telephone recording that leaked out that didn't make him look good and then now, you know, not following what your your employer wants. Um, and then referencing June Jones because allegedly June Jones went to the media and said that um, he talked to Nick Rolovich about getting the vaccine and he didn't want that. Um, which, by the way, the only thing I will defend Nick Rolovich for in this I feel bad that someone else went to the media and said, I talked to him and he doesn't want it. That's kind of like a personal conversation that's a li- more than a little uncomfortable. It's a little different vibe here in the PAXA studios in downtown Honolulu. Yesterday, we were at Growler Hawaii on Hulu. Good fun. By the way, uh, great work by our entire staff uh, down there. Really appreciative of uh, every individual's work that they put into making that fun yesterday. Uh, we're going to do that again down the road. Uh, so make sure you join us for the uh, next really big... Can I Can I do the Ed Sullivan impression? The really big road shoe! No? No? Okay. Can't I, I can't do impressions like Chris Hart does. Uh, I'm Josh Pacheco, in for Chris and Gary. It is the Sports Animals here on ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM. And 1420 a.m. Savannah Ryers is going to join us just after the bond of the hour. What's up with the uh, Rainbow Wahine basketball program? We'll talk with one of the newest members of the coaching staff in just a little while. uh Neil has been hanging on very patiently on the phone lines at 808 296 1420. Neil,
1: how are you? Yeah, I'm good, man. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah. You know, the thing about this whole thing, and I think you hit it right on the head, is a state and the university can take its policies.
0: Man, that's a bummer that we just lost Neil. Uh, I don't know if Neil's going through the tunnel or whatever it is, but Neil, call back. Uh, Right as he was making a great point about universities and their policies and state and their policies and what they can do, he just went, phew. Uh, So, uh, Neil, call back uh, if you get an opportunity to once you're in a better area. At 808-296-1420. If you're wondering uh, where he's coming from, you may have saw the uh, or may have seen the news earlier today that Nick Rolovich is uh, has not formally done it yet, but will uh, file a suit, file a claim against Washington State seeking twenty five million dollars in damages for wrongful termination because uh, they had a policy that uh, you must be uh, uh, vaccinated uh, as a state employee working in the university system. And um, he decided he was going to try to use the religious exemption to, uh, uh, to, to, to keep him from uh, having to get vaccinated. And uh, he, they heard it. He filed for the exemption. They didn't grant him the exemption. Ultimately, they felt like he couldn't do his job, the entirety of his job, without getting the jab and uh, he, was, he was let go, and here we are now nine months later, I think it is, uh, nine months later, and uh, looking like litigation is going to come down uh, and trying to recoup $25 million. So uh, hopefully Neil's able to, to, to dial back in, and we can get him here on the phone lines at 808 296 I know weather's been kind of just rough uh, you've heard our, uh, our our big weather guy, uh, not weather guy, our big traffic guy uh, has mentioned over the last hour some power outages, windy conditions. Uh, red flag warning, by the way, has been extended until uh, 6 p.m. tomorrow uh, for leeward uh, leeward sides of uh, each island. Humidity right around 45 percent in the afternoon. Uh, Winds gusting between 30 and 40 miles an hour, depending on where you live. And uh, that, the dry conditions, they say, can be very ripe for uh, fire conditions. In fact, I was just looking a little while ago. Uh, There is a runaway brush fire on Hawaii Island, uh, which is right in that area in West Hawaii where they say some of, you know, they have brush fires semi-often in that area when conditions are kind of ripe for it. And apparently there is one there that they are dealing with. Uh, So that's one of the reasons why that uh, red flag warning remains in effect. Uh, So uh, be safe out there. We have had some power issues. I know we got knocked off on uh, 92.7 FM a little while ago. I believe we are back online at 92.7 FM. Uh, So uh, thank you for your patience there. Uh, but we'll uh, we'll hang with you. and We'll get you the latest updates, how that affects your traffic, including uh, some of the power outages that, uh, uh, that have been affecting streetlights, been affecting your commute. You want to know something awkward? The guy that allegedly your team was trying to replace you with on the same practice field as you are because it was planned. And uh, that's what happened today. Because the Miami Dolphins and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers had a joint camp today. Which meant uh, Tua tonga could throw a pretty nice touchdown ball down the field. And uh, torch one of the Bucs cornerbacks. Which I'm sure had to make Tua feel very good. Um, especially being able to do that right in front of TB12. They got to talk today. Uh, because Miami and Tampa Bay, not only having the, the joint practices, but this will lead to uh, their preseason game on Saturday in Tampa, the preseason opener for uh, for both teams. And you knew it was going to be awkward because, well, Tua was going to be asked more than, than Tom about what was uh what the NFL had uh, decided to rule on 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 uh, the Dolphins' owner, Stephen Ross. The tampering regarding Sean Payton and regarding Tom Brady for three years. And Tua had to answer questions about it, not only about what they were talking about, um, but he continues to believe the team is all in. Um, and when asked again about the interest that was shown to Tom Brady, he said, and I quote, Yeah, I mean, I'm still here. To me, that's all noise at this point, close quote. Um, And if you notice, if you've been watching Tua, if you've been listening to the bites, if you notice, the answers are getting shorter. And while his demeanor is still incredibly professional, uh, which I credit Tua for, because sometimes this can get really, really annoying, and some athletes... Regardless of sport, they keep getting peppered about it. Um, You know, especially when your job is kind of publicly thrown out there as potentially at stake or at risk, that you might get a little annoyed and you might pop off on a reporter. You might walk away from the microphones. You know, Tua hasn't done that. Um, Tua's been an ultra pro. Now, has he shown a little bit of a, um, well, a little bit of an attitude? It yeah, kind of. He's he's been like, like I said, kind of succinct, somewhat short, uh. But yet it's funny. Maybe it's the sun being in his eyes. It's like doing that with the media, and, and he's got a smile on his face still. Like, yep, yeah, that's still all noise. That's I'm here. I believe they trust me. And uh, oh, no, I wasn't here in 2019. It's 2022, and clearly I'm still the quarterback. It is, um, it is awkward as heck still, I'm sure. And it, these are the little um, mini battles that I believe Tua is going to have to work through, even here in preseason, week by week, going into the regular season, um, to convince people that He is not the embattled quarterback that everybody says he is, which, by the way, you can't convince me he's not. He is. Um, Just look at how the team has underperformed based on how the front office has spent the last couple of years, and you can't tell me um, that his job is not on the line. But be that as it is, tell me how many quarterbacks feel like, um, you know, have had their jobs kind of publicly put out there not only because of performance, but because their owner can't follow the rules. I, well, I can't name another quarterback that's been in that position. I don't think you could. That's right. Two is probably the only one that's kind of left out there hanging because his owner went to go talk to another QB. Name me that instance anywhere else. So every week, Every time Tua's on the field, whenever he does play in the preseason, and I I realize that's not going to be often, everybody's watching his every move. But this week is just a little bit different because Tom's there. And uh, Tom could still be a member of the Miami Dolphins in 2023. I mean, if they've talked for three years, why couldn't they make it four? Steven Ross doesn't care about the rules. $1.5 million was basically being told, hey, you can't go spend money on a turkey sandwich tomorrow for lunch. Steven Ross is fine. And he'll break the rules again if he has to because he wants to do whatever he can to get his franchise to win. Um, But I will say, as embattled as Tua is... I have I I've I've loved how he's handled all of it. Anybody who wants to question his leadership, which I think is kind of honestly too early to do. He's only been in the league a couple of years. It takes time, I believe, to question leadership. But um anybody who is willing to question that needs to look again at the last week or two. And Watch how he treats people and watch what he's doing in practice when everybody's looking. See, part of what didn't help for him when you've got all the folks going on social media and they were questioning Tua and and his abilities and his arm strength and you've got Tyreek Hill opening his mouth and, um, you know, you're watching every letter of every word that's being said about him uh, was that you kind of pick him apart and and people have been picking them apart for years. They've been picking them apart going back to Alabama. That's what we do with top draft picks. I have found very little to pick Tua to apart on right now. If you are the Jets, the Bills, Patriots, maybe less so the Bills, Buffalo's going to win that division. Um, nothing can convince me otherwise. If you're any of those other teams in that division, though, watching Tua and me finding and probably them finding very little to dissect and and be negative about and to you know pick apart like a game of operation is a really scary thing some guys really thrive in this situation some guys really don't Tua's chip on his shoulder he might not show it because again, I think he's been a pros pro. Um, I'm I'm impressed with him. Not like we haven't had any reason to be impressed with two already, but um, between everybody questioning his abilities, between him being upset that people now know he's married, and um, then the whole Tom Brady awkwardness with Steven Ross, between all of that, um this i think he set himself up for potentially a career year and i only say that knowing what he's capable of i only say that because i'm seeing how he's channeled everything and i'm liking the way he's going about it and with the pieces around him i think he's he can be really really good we're talking i think a wild card team in the afc I'm willing to stamp down a playoff spot for the Dolphins if Tua's playing at least 15 games this year, which I realize means he's injured for two. Uh, Or they're really, really good that they give him a breather in the final couple of weeks of the year. I'm joking. That's not going to happen. If he's playing 15 games, his numbers are fine. I feel like I can guarantee a playoff spot for this team, Like like a six or a seven seed coming out of the wild card and i'm not i'm not going to guarantee anything more than that. I'm not going to go ahead and start throwing out conference champion or AFC East winner. I, I it's been a long day. Um I'm tired, but my brain's not that foggy. But uh Keegan's questioning that too. But <laughs> but uh uh I am I am willing to believe that He can hold on to this job and maybe earn a couple of extra years uh, in, in a vote of confidence from that front office. We'll get to your calls and texts. We'll stay with the NFL coming up after this. The NFL needs a Deshaun Watson decision, they need it tomorrow. What would it look like if Deshaun Watson is on the field, even if it's just for one series? Savannah Ryer is going to join us in just over 10 minutes. What's going on with the Rainbow Wahine uh, basketball program? She's going to tell us. And how she got into coaching. She was just playing a couple of years ago. Uh was an important part of the UH, uh, UH women's basketball team. So uh, what got her into coaching? We'll, we'll talk about that coming up uh, just over 10 minutes here on ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Uh, I feel like we have to have a countdown clock on now because uh, we have to pay attention to see if we're going to hear anything from the NFL regarding Deshaun Watson before Friday. I guess we'll uh, let me reset when that countdown clock should actually be because that uh, first preseason game for Cleveland. Friday, 1 o'clock Hawaii time, so uh you do the math. That is 43 hours and 39 minutes. That's the countdown we're on to see if the NFL is going to come down and put the Deshaun Watson thing to bed, which right now is a six-game suspension. No fine. That's what Al Robinson did, right? The NFL appealed it. Um, and you heard Roger Goodell yesterday say that he wants an indefinite suspension. But he's not going to do it because the NFL wanted to go the diplomatic route and uh, allow a second independent person, former Attorney General of New Jersey, to go in and uh, make the ruling for himself based on uh, what the evidence is in front of them. The evidence, which Roger Goodell called egregious, and predatory, close quote, all taken from uh, two parts of the same sentence that Roger Goodell had in front of the assembled media. This is the risk that Roger took. In being, well, in, in, in being diplomatic about this, because the NFL could have played this very differently In being diplomatic about this, the NFL uh, accidentally ran the risk of what Friday will bring, and that is, and the NFL's language, I think, has actually fueled this, Um, not to say that nothing else did. I don't want to diminish anything else, but the language of the last 24 hours helped to fuel where we sit. Just picture the identity of a person with egregious. Predatory actions taking the field on Friday. Now, it's not like nobody, uh, it's not like we haven't had a situation before where where, where people with questionable and checkered pasts have been on a football field previously. But we're talking about that in, in the situation of what's currently in front of us and what has taken really a year and a half to get to. And the NFL trying to really, really now kind of, you know, bending over backwards to ensure that Deshaun Watson is made out to be this really, really awful guy. When it had the ability to control this itself, they passed. They passed because I believe the NFL saw what we've talked about before the bigger picture. The bigger picture is labor peace. This is something in the CBA that. Everybody signed off on, if you don't like the ruling from the independent arbiter, you can appeal. We learned the NFLPA could actually appeal it too, and they decided not to because they said they wouldn't. The NFL did. Um, so it it goes to the NFL. The NFL could decide, is Roger going to take it, or uh, are they going to assign it to someone? And they assigned it to someone? And it could take. It could go to tomorrow, it could go to next week, it could go to three weeks from now, it could go to the day before the regular season, which we know Deshaun Watson won't play in the first six games of the regular season because that was not appealed, so that is set. That's not going anywhere. But it's the optic. The optic is this individual with, quote-unquote, egregious predatory actions, close quote, without having served a single piece of punishment yet, having not played in the 2021 season because he didn't want to play for Houston, getting a massive contract with absolutely loaded guarantees to be in Cleveland, will have an opportunity to be on the field on Friday. And it really doesn't matter whether it is for three plays, whether it is for a full quarter, whatever it is. Just the vision of him on the field is a really, really bad look for the league. It's not to say that it's only the league. It's a really bad look for the Cleveland Browns that they're just sitting there saying, cool. Like, you don't realize what the optics are here. The Browns have been as defiant as anybody. The only team probably uh, more defiant, the Houston Texans. But then again, they didn't play them. But then again, they were also fairly, uh, fairly involved. Go see the NDAs that were allegedly put out there uh, to the women that Deshaun Watson got to see. This is the tough thing. Roger Goodell, if he felt very strongly about this, and and uh, you'll always be criticized as the commissioner, um, and and to this point, even more so, the the criticism will only amplify. Roger Goodell can do no right. That's just part of his job. If Roger Goodell felt truly. That the actions of Deshaun Watson were, as he said, egregious and predatory. Roger Goodell should not have handed off this appeal to someone else. You don't say words that are that strong and then hand that to someone for their interpretation. If you really feel like it should be an indefinite suspension, I get the labor piece. I get all of that. I'm a big believer in that. Um, But when you use those words, sometimes the labor piece stuff has to go to the side. You utter those words, you need to be the one to lay the hammer down. And you need to be the one that toughens up and says, Deshaun, you're not playing. And an indefinite suspension would mean You're not playing, period. It's not just regular season. No, an indefinite suspension is everything. It's preseason, it's camp, it's regular season. It is everything until you are reinstated and the commissioner believes you are okay to play football. That's where Roger Goodell missed. This was his chance to prove to people who question him and question what the league stands for who they stand for, the behavior of the athletes under the shield. This was his chance to personally do this when he has had opportunities before as judge, jury, and executioner of the NFL under the previous CBA, and he and the league has gone down light on many, many people for domestic violence and other issues. His chance to make a right where he and the league have had so many wrongs and he ended up committing a wrong because he could not he could not stand up with actions to his own fairly critical words. And if Deshaun Watson ends up playing in the regular season, oh, and if he ends up playing in the preseason on Friday, because I think we need to focus in on that, if he ends up playing at all, that's going to land on Roger Goodell because Roger Goodell did not have the you-know-what to use the CBA to his full advantage. He decided to be too diplomatic when, you know what, sometimes I get the CBA piece, sometimes, and I've thought about this really hard, sometimes you can't be diplomatic about things that you call egregious and predatory. There is no diplomacy in issues that have that kind of language. And, and that might be another Goodell fail. We'll go to the Zephyr Insurance text line, and we'll go to the Twitter uh, at Josh on the Radio. Where uh, let's see one of the questions that's coming on our two-a conversation uh, a little while ago. That coming up in just a little bit. Uh, whoever chose to put "Welcome back" uh, right in our bump back into the uh, into the show made a very good choice because Savannah Ryer is back as part of the University of Hawaii Rainbow Wahine basketball program. Back as director of player development savannah thank you so much for joining us on the program uh how does it feel to be back uh but not playing but more of a uh, player development role how does that feel
5: first i want to say thank you for having me and it's incredible to be back and it's really cool to be back on the staff side i'm super thankful to coach beeman for giving me the opportunity it's definitely been um, very full circle moment for me. So I'm really enjoying it and just enjoying all the change and new things that I'm learning um, now that I'm on the staff side.
0: For those that don't know, uh, director of player development, take people through uh, the day-to-day functions of the director of player development.
5: So as a player development, a lot of what I do is kind of just whatever needs to be done. Um It could be different every single day. I'll be doing a lot of fundraising because I'm still really close with a lot of our fans that were here when I played um, and a lot of our boosters that really help out our program. So I'll do a lot of our fundraising. I'll do a lot of our community events and outreach. Um, I've planned the upcoming elite camp that we have this weekend and a lot of just connecting with the girls and making sure that I can help them through things that, you know, I went through as a player and helped them from either making mistakes or just guiding them in the right right direction and how to be successful in Coach Beeman's program since I was here so recently.
0: Yeah, I want to talk about that elite camp um, coming up in a moment. I mean, you spent a little bit of time away after graduating in 2020, and um, really the experience that you gained when you left for that short period of time and came back uh was really important for you kind of going into this role right
5: yes it was super important i spent um the entire year last year at the university of nevada as a graduate assistant under coach amanda levins and i gained a lot of very valuable knowledge and experience just on the coaching side of things and learning how to draw boundaries and just being a young coach like learning how to navigate um, those things because i am so close in age with the girls but I did gain a ton of valuable experience in my time away. And I think it's the perfect timing to return back to my alma mater and be able to serve them in the best way possible.
0: You, you just mentioned something that I was going to uh, bring up in a little bit, but I'll, I'll do it now. Savannah Ryers joining us, uh, director of player development with the university of Hawaii rainbow Wahine basketball program being so close to uh, former players of yours, former teammates of yours, uh, you know, it's a it's a challenge I'm sure in some respects but I'm sure the way you look at it uh, I'm sure you don't necessarily use the challenge word I'm sure you kind of look at it in a different way don't you
5: I do yeah it's actually super cool I'm only I was only teammates with one girl on the team now and that's Olivia Davies she was a freshman when I was a senior but it's been super cool to see her growth just as a human but also a basketball player and be able to you know cherish the memories we have but also help her in a different way um, than I, I was able to as a teammate and that's super rewarding for me so I'm enjoying you know reconnecting with her and all the stuff that comes with that.
0: let's talk about uh, let's talk about the camp coming up this weekend uh, give us a little bit of details on that
5: yeah, so we're doing a two-day elite camp. It's going to be August 13th and 14th. That's this Saturday and Sunday. It's going to go from 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. Um, registration is $100. It includes a T-shirt, and our whole staff will be there working the camp, and a large number of our players will also be there um, to instruct the kids and to be able to give just inside scoop experience of our program um, and um, two championships, and then also just be able to teach and um, get to know our players. So it's a really great opportunity. It's open to boys and girls um, and for our girls to get out and also do the same and serve the community.
0: And uh, it sounds like I, I saw a video the other day and kind of reminded me of this, um, that Coach Beeman and and with the players and and staff members, uh, one thing I'm sure about this camp, uh, Coach Beeman's pretty hands-on, right? And and I'm sure that definitely translates as uh, you go throughout everybody working that camp.
5: Yeah, she's definitely hands-on. She'll be there. Um, We're going to have our players run a majority of it just because kids usually tend to respond really well to our players um, because they're great with kids. But Coach Beeman will be there, and she'll do some of the opening stuff and be able to get a chance to talk to her and just kind of pick her brain and everything. Um, So that's also a great opportunity. You know, Big West Coach of the Year. So she's got a lot of knowledge.
0: Absolutely. HawaiiAthletics.com, click on the Camps button. You can check out Hawaii Women's Basketball Elite Camp. Uh, They can also get in touch with the basketball office, I'm sure, right?
5: Yes. Um, if you go to the website, you can always see the brochure for the camp, but you can always email me. My email is sryer at hawaii.edu. It's on the brochure, which would be on the registration website. So you can always get in contact with us there too.
0: Savannah Ryer joining us, Director of Player Development with the uh, Rainbow Wahine Basketball Program. All right. uh, your year away. Uh, what did you miss while being away from here?
3: Wow, I
5: missed, that's a, uh, missed a lot of things, honestly. One being the beaches, of course, but the biggest thing was just the community that I had here. Um, whether it was fans, my teammates, our coaching staff, um, that felt like my second family. And while it was great to be able to spend some time with my own family and you know, just kind of regroup and decide what I wanted to do with my life, Um, I really did miss the community I have here and thankfully I've been welcomed back with open arms and just excitement and it's been great to be back, but I definitely miss the people here the most. So I'm very glad to be back.
0: Did you ever think, um, anytime during your player career that you, or your playing career, um, that you saw an opportunity, whether it was coaching you know, as a grad assistant or now a, a director of player development. Did, did you ever see this in your post-playing future when uh, while you were still on the floor?
5: I definitely saw myself potentially getting into coaching. I didn't know what route um, that would be. And I know that these jobs here at UH are very desirable. So getting back into a position here is definitely hard once you leave um so i was a little surprised when coach beeman called me but surprised in the best way because it was an absolute yes right when um she mentioned the job so i did see myself in coaching not necessarily knowing which route obviously that i was going to take but super thankful to be back
0: yeah. Welcome back. Uh, keep up the good work. And uh, by the way, say hi to your dad. It's been a while since I interviewed him, since he covers the University of Alabama. Um, so we we had him on the show a couple of times. But say hi to him. And uh, again, HawaiiAthletics.com. Click on the Camps button for the uh, Hawaii Women's Basketball Elite Camp. Savannah, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Thank you, Josh. All right. That's Savannah Ryer joining us here. On ESPN, Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Again, that's uh, the 13th and the 14th. That's Saturday and Sunday, 8 AM to 2 PM. Um, Any and all 6th through 12th graders. uh, Registration ends Friday at 4.30 PM. So uh, if you haven't made a decision on that, do so soon because they don't take Uh, walk-ups. Again, uh, hawaiiathletics.com. Click on the Camps button. I'll take you to the uh, Rainbow Wahine basketball camps and the upcoming Elite Camp. Coming up next is the Sports Cards and collectible show, which, by the way, listen in. I don't know when in the show, but sometime during the show, there will be an important sports show announcement. That actually came off wrong. It was supposed to be an important show announcement, And then I accidentally said the word sports. It was supposed to be important show announcement about the show. And I failed on messaging. Darren will do that coming up (laughs) in about uh, 12 minutes. Uh, Zephyr Insurance text line, Twitter feed, all active today. Texter from the 256. We were talking about Roger Goodell, and I believe uh, in his messaging – He made, I believe, a mistake in not doing this himself. Although, thinking of the bigger picture, uh, his words really changed the game on Deshaun Watson. Texter from the 256 says, When you said Roger passed on being able to put this away, the Deshaun Watson punishment, I thought of the Seattle Seahawks and the controversial pass in the Super Bowl that lost the game. Roger, a.k.a. Marshawn, should have taken the ball and run it in for the win, but the NFL, aka the Seahawks, decided to pass it instead. Didn't think of tying those two things together. Um, I don't know this individual from the 2 5 6, but all I can say to you is let it go. It's been so long. So, so long. Let it go. I know some some things are really uh, really hard to get by. Jeff texts in, Hawaii should have a field of cane field dreams game. He's thinking about the fact that Major League Baseball has the Field of Dreams game, uh, which is tomorrow. Uh, they had the minor league baseball version uh, yesterday in uh, Dyersville, Iowa, and uh, we learned actually today that there will not be a Field of Dreams game next year because they're going to have construction at uh, the Field of Dreams game site. So, uh, Field of Dreams game, this will be the first one or the last one until, uh, what, 2024, potentially. Field of Cane Field, uh, you know, the only thing I thought about when when I saw Cane Field Dreams I uh, I thought of Hawaii Winter League Baseball, but not Kane Field. I thought of Kane Fire, uh, and I immediately thought Hawaii Winter League Baseball needs to return at some point. Uh, don't know if it will ever happen, but you know, baseball in the winter in Hawaii, why not miss Hawaii Winter Baseball? Um, but I, you're not going to create a Kane Field out of I don't know where. I don't. The only the only place I can think of of a game that feels natural to have here um, is at Hans. Is at Hans LaRange Park, um, you know, with, uh, you know, right snug in that community. It's the only really place I could think of putting something there because, I mean, you don't have the cane field, but you've got that that hill right on the right side, uh, right behind the dugout. Oh, those dugouts are small. Um, and then you've got... Well, you did have the dugout and then the press box up above until it burned. You know, if if we could revitalize Hans LaRange, it would be nice to have a, a baseball celebration there again if we could get that place back to what it was. Because the people there took great care of Hans LaRange. They really did. Um... And then it was just unfortunate to hear what happened over a year ago with the the press box being burnt, and um, you know, was just, that, that was that was tough because over the years, so many people have done great things there. Uh, but Jeff, thanks for for texting it. I'll be watching that Field of Dreams game tomorrow. Uh, it's on television. I think it's at one o'clock. I'll be looking forward to that. Uh, to the Twitter at Josh on the Radio. Devin text in, or tweets in, we were talking about Tua earlier and the awkwardness around Tom Brady. Do you think Brady still wants to go be the Miami Dolphins QB? If he does and goes there next season, then it doesn't really matter how good Tua is this year. Um, I think if Tom's smart, and I believe he is, this being out in the open, I think would keep him from playing any meaningful role on a Dolphins team, except for a front office role. Uh, I think if that has even been talked about, then I really do believe that uh, he does want a front office role, but he can't. That's the thing though. He can't have a front office role in the NFL because he's going to be an announcer. Once he retires, he's going to be the lead announcer for Fox. Uh, I believe for Tom, if he's playing, he's riding it out with Tampa. I don't see him playing for a third team. I don't think that looks great for him. Um, and when he's done, he'll go be an announcer. I think he's just kind of settled on that fact. And he'll go to Super Bowls. He'll call Super Bowls as an announcer. Build on his legacy that way, and he'll he'll be happy. I don't I don't think Tom needs a ton more. I don't think he needs another team, um, and another Super Challenge in in order to really kind of. You know, Build on his career. I mean, his career is pretty much made. Anything new he does is just, it, it's like building on top of an already tall building. It's uh, already legendary. What more are you going to do with it? Uh, that's all the time we've got for today. Uh, fun show today. Savannah Ryer was with us uh, just a little while ago. Good to have her back, part of the Rainbow Wahine basketball program. Thank you to her. Thank you to Rick Gaiman. Uh, CBSSports.com. Check out the first cut podcast. Uh, we were talking about uh, Live Golf taking a live—that's the L—yesterday uh, in court against the PGA Tour, and then Bob Thompson, uh, retired president of Fox Sports Network and uh, Fox Sports International. We were talking about rights, with college football, and kind of the the, the ripple down effect. It was a great conversation. If you missed it, check out the Sports Animals on Demand at ESPNHonolulu.com. This is ESPN Honolulu. Have a good rest of your Wednesday.